bless the name of the Lord this morning. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing, every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. And when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. One more time. Oh, and blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. And blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. There's pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I turn back to praise. And when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. You give and take away. You give and take away. You give and take away. choose to say Lord blessed be your name you give and take away you give and take away my heart will choose to say Lord blessed be your name one time give you take away you give and take away you give and take but my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name. 
holy the name of the Lord. Oh, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Hallelujah. Praise his name this morning. Hallelujah. hands together this morning.
How sweet the sound. Rescued me. Sing that again. How sweet. How sweet the sound. Once lost, now found. Heaven came down and grace rescued me. The sound. Hallelujah, I am free from my sin and penalty. At the cross you took my place with your grace on top of grace. Hallelujah, hallelujah, I am free from my sin and penalty. At the cross you took my place with your grace on top of grace. this morning you're free praise God praise Jesus we are free this morning this is amazing grace this is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross And lay down your life That I would be set
exalt him today. He is great. Amen. holy hands in this place this morning. Just worship Him. He is great and He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our voice. He's worthy of our lives. The breath that we breathe, He put in our lungs. The blood that's coursing through our veins is His. It's His. He's given it to us, but it's His because the royal blood of heaven, if you're a believer, if you know Jesus today, if you've been forgiven, if you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb this morning, you today are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And we are, we are His children and He deserves our worship. He is great. Hallelujah. He is great. He is to be exalted. Let's exalt Him on high. Let's lift up hands. Let's lift up our voices. Lord, You are great and You are worthy. You are worthy. Hallelujah. You are worthy of our praise.
our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty. All the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide. And trembles at his voice. And trembles at his voice. How great is our God!
and celebration for who you are and what you mean to us and what you have done for us and what you're going to do for us and, and who, who will be the one, who is the one today that continues to, to uplift us and encourage us, who is the one who continues to bring direction with the Lord hallelujah the one that we're going to spend eternity with, praising around the throne Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. So bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never
you're blessed. You're blessed. The Lord has blessed you. Can can we just give the Lord a clap offering of praise today? 
praise God. Lord, we, we take this time, Lord, to just to express our hearts and our love for you. We just thank you, Lord, for this people today, your children that have gathered today to express our gratitude towards you. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that as we continue in the word and as we continue, God, around the Lord's table, that, Father, that we'll walk away today. We'll walk away today with people, uh, people who, have, who understand what it means to, to have gratitude and thanksgiving in our hearts. And that, Father God, that you will be blessed by it. You'll be blessed by it. You'll be pleased by it. And that, Father, it will just, it will not only, not only will you be blessed, but, Lord, also it will change us as well and transform us on the inside. Father, thank you so much for your love for us, your mercy, your forgiveness, the blood of Jesus that cleanses every sin, stain, every spot, makes us whiter than the snow. Righteousness that we can't earn and imparted, imputed, credited to our account because of Jesus. And so, Lord, we just ask God today your blessing on the remaining time. I know that many of us may have Thanksgiving plans with family or may need to travel, but Lord, may we just take these few moments and just zero in and focus intently and give you the honor that you deserve. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, worship team. I think you got a good workout this morning. I know I did. Praise the Lord. Just a, just a couple of um, reminders here in the, in the bulletin. Not going to spend a lot of time, but just a reminder, of course, our, <clears throat> our plan to protect training coming up uh, this month. We have a refresher taking place in orientation training on Sunday, October the 22nd. Also, the third Sunday, next Sunday night at 6.30, we have our Heritage House, our ministry to seniors. And so if you want to be involved in that, we'd just love for you to do so and, and to uh, and just to keep, keep the, um, I think this is good. So let's pray this together. And as we receive today's offering, we are believing you for heaven open, storehouses unlocked, and miracles created. Tell <laughs> declaration impartation and divine manifestation anointings giftings and calls positions and promotions nations souls and more souls from every generation saved and set free carrying kingdom revival thank you lord join my value system to yours you will shower favor blessing and increase upon me so I may have more than enough to co-labor with heaven, to see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I always get that mix, mixed up, don't I? That's okay. God bless you as you give this morning. Praise, praise the Lord. Well, it's good. This morning, I uh, just want <clears throat> to talk on uh, the attitude of gratitude, Luke 7. I think my voice is sounding a little hoarse. 
<clears throat> I'm not used to leading worship. I used to do that. I remember one time doing that like for six months straight, lead worship and then, and then preach. But it's a bit of a workout. I understand why my dad used to, we used to play bluegrass music many years ago. Um, and uh, he would have like six or seven songs to sing. The poor guy was just huffing and puffing. I can get that. Now, I understand it. I understand it. That's what happened when I turned 43. So uh, Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. The attitude of gratitude. One person one time said that uh, some of the most unthankful people are often the most unhappy people. How many know that gratitude, thankfulness is important? We should be a thankful people. There was a, there was a guy who lived in Budapest, and uh, he went to a rabbi, and he started complaining to the rabbi. He said, life is just unbearable. It's horrible. It's awful. There's nine of us living in one room. What can I do about it? So the rabbi says, listen, he says, you go outside and you take your goat and you bring it into your house with you. And uh, then you come back in a week. And so he went out and he got the goat and he brought it in to the house. And then he went back to the rabbi. And he was more frustrated than he was before. He was more distraught. And so he says, he said, I can't stand it. He said, the goat is filthy. You can imagine. He says, go home. He said, take the goat and put the goat back outside. Come back in a week. So he went home, and he took the goat, and he took the goat outside, and he went back to the rabbi in a week. And so he goes back to the rabbi, and he says, Rabbi, he says, life is beautiful. It's awesome. I'm so full of joy. He said, now there's no goat in the house. There's only nine of us. How many know that's all about attitude? It was his attitude, wasn't it? His attitude changed. And so we need to be a people who have a, an attitude of gratitude because it's an indication of who we understand God to be and how God is working in our life. This morning, if we can look at verses 36 down to 50 when it comes to this topic, the attitude of gratitude it says, now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. And so he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood before him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Verse 39. And, and it said, Simon, I have something to tell you. He says, tell me, te teacher. I think I got my note mixed up here. Let me go back right into. Helps to open your Bible right up. Luke 9. Have you got it right up there? You do. Yeah, when the Pharisee, I'll just read off the slide. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, 
If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. He said, two people owed money to a certain money lender. And one owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. So you've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And so, Lord, we thank you, God, for your word, and may your word speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, just bring that truth. Illuminate our hearts with your word. May may we sense a, a revelation in our hearts. And, God, may we live out the truths therein. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So just to give a little bit of background this morning to this uh, episode. We find that uh, this episode takes place relatively early in Jesus' ministry. and We find that he is experiencing an ever-growing hostility uh, from the, the Pharisees. We know that the Pharisees were self-righteous, they were hard-hearted, they, they, uh, they led them to reject John the Baptist as an example, and they also find that they were ridiculing Jesus with the same kind of scorn. You probably remember, if you read some of the Gospels, that they accused him of being a drunkard and a glutton. How many understand that you don't get called being a drunkard and a glutton if you're not hanging around with people who would be considered drunkards and gluttons. How many are glad this morning that Jesus goes to those kinds of people? You, you, can, you, can, you can say amen. You can say whatever. You know, you can, I just want to get, make sure you're with me on this. But it's interesting that Jesus here in this episode, he's visiting uh, this Pharisee, this guy by the name of Simon. And so you kind of wonder, and I ask the question, is uh, how in the world did Jesus get into Simon's house? How did he get there? I sometimes will ask questions like that. Well, one of the interesting things was is that if you were living back in those times, that it was considered, you were considered, in fact, and, and probably uh, it was a good thing that you did this, that you would invite a teacher over for dinner, especially if he had preached in a local synagogue. So maybe 
what Simon here was doing, he was just doing something to make himself look good. Maybe that was the motivation of his heart. Maybe Simon was a bit of a celebrity hunter. Maybe he wanted a closer look at Jesus because Jesus' popularity was spreading. Or maybe he wanted to see if Jesus really was a prophet. Maybe if he really was the one who was sent of God. Maybe Simon was a skeptic, and so he wanted to get a close-up look. Maybe as a Pharisee, like the rest of the Pharisees, he was looking to try to find some sort of flaw in Jesus. You know, is this guy a prophet, or is this guy a fraud? Is he really the Son of God, or is he just another messianic wannabe who's really a blasphemer? So maybe Simon was approaching Jesus with a little bit of skepticism. We really are not sure, but what we do know is that uh, when, you would, when you would have a dinner party in, in those times, when, when, when you would have a dinner party, that uh, the, the guests would often recline at the table. The people who were poor and were needy would often have the leftovers if they were available. And so nobody was really surprised when this woman would walk into the room because probably she was just looking for some of the leftovers that might have been left behind. But the thing was, it wasn't the presence of this woman coming into the room that would have been the shocker. What shocked Simon here was who the woman was. What she did right before her, his very eyes and whom she did it to. You see, she wasn't just a normal, everyday woman. This woman was labeled a sinner. A sinner. Most likely she was a prostitute. Most likely she was a public sinner. And so, thinking with that in mind, probably what was going through Simon's mind was, how dare this woman... How dare she do that? What is she doing here? She is not invited here, yet she comes intentionally. And she comes very well prepared, in fact. She comes carrying with her an alabaster jar, which is perfume. Likely one of the things that would have been a tool of her trade. But what is certain is this. One of the things that we do know also about this woman is that it is obvious that she encountered Jesus before that night. We don't know for sure just exactly when it was, but we obviously know that this encounter with Jesus dramatically changed her life. Changed her life. And she approached Jesus with the intention that she was going to anoint his feet with the perfume. And doing so, it was an act of love, and it was an act of devotion. And likely, I'm kind of th- using my imagination here, but I can imagine now that this woman who has been had this encounter with Jesus, that all of a sudden, the emotions overcome her. And, and she begins to get down, and she begins to cry and weep, and the tears just begin to flow as she as she lets her hair down and she wipes Jesus' feet with her hair. She smothers them with kisses. She breaks 
the jar and she pours this expensive alabaster perfume all over his feet. But here's the scene. This is in Simon's mind. She shouldn't be here. What she's doing is just absolutely wrong. She is unclean. She's a sinner. She is defiling the place. She's contaminating it. What right does she have to intrude on our table fellowship? I mean, what would happen in many churches? I've seen it where pastors, I remember a story of when a pastor had received a call to a church. And when he received that call to the church, the church was really excited about it was, the, it was the new pastor was coming to preach the call. And on the day that the new pastor was preaching the call, there was this man who came in and he was, I mean, he was a rough-looking character. He was dirty. His clothes were dirty. He had a rancid smell about him. And the people that we're at the church, the congregation, they begin to give him bad looks. Like, what are you doing here? And they begin to tell him that, you know, he case might be. Because here's this church, and they're all excited. This is the day the new pastor's coming. And so one of the head deacons gets up, and he makes the announcement. They're about ready to uh, welcome Pastor, I don't know, Jones or Smith, whatever his name was. And everybody claps and everybody applauds because they just can't wait for the new pastor to take the pulpit so that he can preach his sermon. And everybody's surprised. The homeless man got out of his seat to the platform to everyone's shock. And he took the platform and he took the mic. Can you imagine that would be a pretty big shocker if that happened? I think that pastor that day may have had a second thought about whether he would pass the marginalized, the poor, the sinner. Because I don't know about you this morning, but I'm thankful that Jesus is a friend of sinners. That Jesus, meaning that when you touched a leper, you were actually risking defilement and he would touch them, and he would heal them. Why? Because he's a God who loves us, desires to restore us. And every single one of us, the Bible says, was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Every single one of us, like sheep, have gone astray. There's not one of us, Paul writes in Romans, that are righteous. Not even Simon the Pharisee. And so this morning, every single one of us should be thankful and have an gr- attitude of gratitude that our Savior is a friend of sinners. Those who are drunkards, those who are gluttons, those who are the worst of our society, the ones that we would be so angry at. Folks, listen. He w- they would be the ones that our Jesus would intentionally pursue. And thank God that he did. 
But can you imagine for a moment the look on Simon's face? The whispers in the room. But for him, what was even more shocking was Jesus' response. You see, Jesus is sitting there and he's allowing this woman with her tears and her hair and the perfume. He's allowing all of this to take place. He's not, he's not condemning her. He's not himself. He says, says, when the Pharisees who invited him saw this, he said to himself, he said, if this man were a prophet, he would know that who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. How could he condone this kind of behavior? If he were a prophet, he would know that she was a sinner. And so in, in masterful fashion, he tells a story. The story went like this, because first thing I want you to know is this, is that gratitude, in what this woman is doing, the first thing I want you to see is that gratitude is extravagant. Gratitude is extravagant. I want you to understand that she took this alabaster box this is a very expensive perfume. Might have been the she could have probably sold the perfume in this box, and she broke it in adoration and love and devotion. Why? Because she was a woman who understood appropriately her gratitude to Jesus. It had to be extravagant. The second thing is this: is it Gratitude understands Christ's forgiveness. The story went like this. That there were two men. They were indebted to the same money lender. One owed 500 denarii. And the other one, the other one owed about 50. So 500 and the other one 50. Now that was about, a five, that would be like 500 days of wages and 50 days of wages. But neither of them had the money to pay it back. So it really doesn't matter how much you have. You can't afford to pay it back. You're, you're both in debt up to your eyeball. I know what that's like. I know what it's like when you have bills that you need to pay. And I remember one winter when we had an oil bill that came from Irving Oil. Back one winter when we were both on employment insurance and we were receiving calls over and over and over. I don't know if you've ever experienced times when it was financially difficult and you had people chasing you down. But it's very, very uh, Difficult when somebody's trying to get money from you and you don't have it. But what's interesting, the point is simply this, is these guys couldn't, couldn't pay the debt back. So the playing field was fairly even in that sense that they couldn't pay it back. And so what the money lender does, he does an incredibly gracious thing. He cancels the debts. I can kind of picture it like this. He probably just takes... The ledger that he had, the sheets that he had, shows the statements. The money that was owed, probably the occurring interest. And he just takes his stamp, and he, or maybe his pen, his quill, whatever. And he just marks down, boom, he just puts down, paid in full. Cancel. Cancel. A sheer act of grace. And so the Lord ends the story with a question. Now, now which one of them... The one who owed five 
100 or the one who owed 50? Which one of them will love him more? And Simon says, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. And Jesus said, you have, forg- you have judged correctly. Because I want you to know that there is a link between love and forgiveness. There's a link between love and forgiveness. You see, Simon was a Pharisee, and he was trying to do what the law required. And, but in, that, in so doing, and following the Ten Commandments, being the good Sunday school boy that he was, he was comparing himself to this woman who was living a sinful lifestyle, and he thought that he was better than she was because of his own self-righteousness. But as I've said before, every single one of us have sinned. I don't know about you this morning, but has anybody ever told a lie? Lift up your hand. Can I see that? You told a lie. Whoa! Okay, for the rest of you, um, you're probably lying now. I don't know. Has anybody ever taken something that wasn't yours? Put your hand up this morning. I'll stop right there. Oh, no, I'll ask one more question. Has anyone ever, ever, like once, you've disobeyed your parents? Lift up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. So we have a bunch of rebellious, thieving liars. Could I just suggest that uh, if anyone is sitting, just hold on to your purse and onto your wallet a little tight. Just joking. Just joking. Point proven. Point proven is that this is that every single one of us have fallen short of God's standard. We've all missed the mark. Would you agree with that? you lift your hand? We've all missed that mark. But here is Simon, and he's coming with a very self-righteous attitude. And folks, it's one thing we must never forget in the church. We must never forget this. We must never forget where we've come from. We must never, we must be a humble people. We must never forget probably all of us have lied. We've all stolen. We've all cheated. We've all done things that we know morally God would disapprove of. That's why we need His grace. That's why we need His forgiveness. That's why we need to have an attitude of gratitude. And yet this was a guy who was self-righteous. Can you see the contrast this morning between the attitude Simon had and the attitude of the woman who came in? You see, you remember what Simon was saying, that when he saw her, he knew what she was. Do you see this woman? Verse 44, then he turned to the woman. He said to Simon, do you see this woman? This is what Jesus is asking. Tony Campola one time wrote of a college class where he taught one of his Jewish students commented, he said, listen, he said, Jesus never met a prostitute. This is what the Jewish student said. And so Campolo said, I jumped at the opening, here's my chance. I thought I could show this guy a thing or two about Jesus and about the New Testament. He said, oh yes he did. I'll show you my Bible verses. The young man interrupted, he said, you didn't hear me doctor. He said, I said Jesus never met a prostitute. And so we begin to protest it. We talked about Jesus forgiving the fallen woman. Once again, the Jewish student spoke out. 
He said, you're not listening to me, doctor. You're not listening to what I'm saying. I'm saying Jesus never met a prostitute. Do you think that when he looked at Mary Magdalene, he saw a prostitute? You know what the interesting thing is? Is that there's many self-righteous people and they can't get past someone's past. All they can see, and I've even seen it, with people who got saved. They still look at them and identify them with who they were, not who they are now. You see, some people, all they see is a sinner. All they see is the sin-stained past. All he probably saw when Simon was looking at that woman was what she had done, her trade, and how she did all these uh, sins. But Jesus didn't see a sinner. Jesus saw a woman. Jesus didn't see her sin, he saw her heart. He didn't see her past, he saw her present. He didn't see her failure, he saw her forgiveness. He didn't see her as a sinner. In fact, he experienced her as a worshiper. He saw her love, he saw her gratitude, her devotion, her thankfulness, because she had been forgiven of so very much she had been and because she had been forgiven so many things you know that that old hymn it talks about the old account was large and growing every day because i was always sinning and never tried to pay you ever hear that one but the old account was settled long ago long ago long ago the old account was settled long ago and my record's clear today, for he washed my sins away. And the old account was settled long ago. Well, her account. You know, it probably would have been like Santa's naughty list, right? And just rolled right out onto the floor. But because she had been forgiven so much, her love, Jesus much that's not all the last thing is is that gratitude is an expression of our love the story that Jesus shared that forgiveness God's goodness produced the love her love for Jesus was so overwhelming that Jesus declared her forgiven. Jesus makes it clear that great love follows great forgiveness, and that great love is expressed through our gratitude. The Lord forces us to ask another question. Is there such things as someone forgiven little? Remember, you don't have to have two red coppers to rub together. It doesn't matter if you owe 5,000 or 5 million. If you have no means to pay the debt, your fate is exactly the same as the one who owes little. So if we owed money to the moneylender, our indebtedness would land us in debtor's prison, and we would be in slavery, and our property would be... This is what would happen in those days. You would be thrown in prison, you'd have your property confiscated. 
But this is what the moneylender does in this story. He goes beyond the letter of the law and he assumes, he assumes the debt himself. And as I've already said, the Bible teaches us that all have sin. We've all been born in sin. And the wages of sin, and this is not a popular thing to say, but the wages of sin is an eternity in debtor's prison called the lake of fire, which burns a brimstone. There is a place called hell. Not many people will dare to mention that, but that is a Bible truth. And it doesn't matter if someone is a, the worst criminal in the world. I was, I, was, I was actually appalled. Can I just be honest? I was actually appalled. I probably was a little bit like Simon the Pharisee when I read Charles Colson and what he, he said in one of his books when he said how Jeffrey Dahmer, a serial killer, who basically butchered people and cut them up into tiny pieces, actually found the grace of God while he was in prison. And I stopped in my tracks and I said, What? Are you serious? That God could forgive Jeffrey? You don't understand what he did. Oh, yes, he does. Oh, yes, he does. And folks, this morning, if he can forgive Jeffrey Dahmer, he can forgive us. He can forgive us. It doesn't matter. All of us have sinned. It doesn't matter if it's pride is the sin. It doesn't matter if we've, as we've already admitted, we've stolen things, we've lied, we've disobeyed our parents. It doesn't matter. The facts are, is that if you know Jesus today, and I remember doing this when I was 12, I remember kneeling down bedside and just asking the Lord to forgive me of my sins. No, at 12 years old, I hadn't been out, you know, drinking and, and, and smoking dope and, and doing all kinds of the sinful things like the prodigal son, but it doesn't matter. You see, the Bible says that we've all sinned. And so I had sinned, and I needed God's forgiveness. I needed his grace. And how many would say this morning, you remember that moment. You remember the moment when you just between you and God. Wherever you were, it might have been. I remember back home, there was a guy that did this in a deer blind in November, hunting deer. I know of a lady who did this when she was at the kitchen sink. Some people have done it uh, in their cars, whatever the case might be. But do you remember the, the day, the, the moment when you realized your need of Jesus Christ and his forgiveness, his cleansing, his righteousness, and you cried out to God and you said, Lord, forgive me, of my sin. I want to know you. I want to serve you. I, I, I love you, Lord, and I want to live my... Do you remember that time? You can, you can look your hand up with me. Do you remember that? There's a few people that's uh, done that here. We'll have an altar call after from the rest of you. Do you remember that? You can nod your head. Do you remember that? I don't want you to ever forget it. I don't want you to ever forget it. You know Why? Because sometimes we forget where we were. Sometimes we forget our situation. And we forget how important it was to receive the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. And you see, for this lady, I love this part, is that gratitude is an expression of love. So when I sing that song, Grace on Top of Grace, Lord, how you love me, I don't deserve. No, I didn't deserve God's love. I deserve God's wrath. 
I actually deserved God's judgment against my sin. But instead, it was, oh, Lord, how you've loved me. His love motivates him to have that desire to forgive and to remove the offense and to restore the relationship. And this is what this lady understood. And here's what happened to that lady, that woman that Jesus had forgiven. John, excuse me, 1 John 3 verse 1 says, he says, how great it is. The, the love of the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Did you catch that this morning? Powerful verse. How great is the love of the Father has lavished. You know what lavished is? Lavished is you just pour it all out. She broke the alabaster box. She poured it out. It reminds me of when Aiden takes mustard on his sandwich. And we're always telling him, you're putting too much mustard or you're putting too much ketchup. One time, Elizabeth thought that she was doing the big thing and uh, she took some teriyaki sauce and she saw everybody else putting it onto her, her rice and, or on their rice. So she, she thought for some reason, I don't think she understood that this was a, a large opening in the bottle. And she took the bottle and she just turned it upside down all over her rice. Can I tell you this morning that that is exactly, if that is, if we could put grace in a bottle, if we could put grace in a bottle, we could put love in a bottle, if we could put mercy in a bottle, that's exactly what God has done for us this morning. He doesn't just put a little dab in your heart and say, oh, here's a, little, here's a little bit of forgiveness, here's a little love. No, no, no. No, when we reach out to Jesus Christ, the Bible says that he lavishes. This is the Father. The Father loves us so much, he wants to lavish his love, his mercy, his grace, his compassion upon us. And that we should be called sinners, the unrighteous, the wicked. No, we are the children of God this morning. We are children of God. It means when you lavish something, it is extravagant. It isn't like when I bought my wife a $50 engagement ring. Now, folks, it was all I could afford. And she would have accepted a twist tie. One of the almost glad garbage bag twists. She would have accepted that if it represented love. But what do, what do, what do most guys do? I'm going to get myself in trouble here. They, they might even say, look, I'm going to take three, maybe six months, maybe if they're really... It might even take a year. She, she would have really got mad at me if I had to take like a lot of money into a ring. But folks, when we love people, we, we, we just lavish it extravagantly. It, we just bestow it in abundance. So what's the Father's greatest expression of love toward us? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. He so loved the world. How do we know that he gives extravagantly? Because it cost him the very life of his son. God did not withhold his best for us. Did you know that? God didn't give us a utility turkey like I bought because it was cheap. Missing the wing. I don't eat the wings anyway, but still. It wasn't grade A. We ate it yesterday. It was good. It took a long time to cook, but it was, it was good. 
God doesn't give us the utility grade. He gives us the best. If you could put A, 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 A all over top of it, he would give you the very, this is what Jesus, when he gave the gift of Jesus and he gave the gift of mercy and the gift of forgiveness, he has given us the best thing we can ever get. And it cost him a lot. It wasn't free. The gift of God is eternal life through, through Jesus Christ our Lord. We can't earn it. But he gives it freely, no strings attached. And he gives it to those who have considers themselves sinning a little, and he gives it to those who have sinned a lot. But this morning, can I ask you this question? As we come into the house of God and we worship and we celebrate, what is the attitude in which we bring and what is the attitude in which we leave? Do we understand? That when we gather around the Lord's table the, the, of, the, of the cracker and, and the juice, and what they repre- this, this represents what Jesus has done for us. He's given himself to us. And this morning as the worship team comes back to their instruments, I just want to ask few questions with every head bowed and every eye closed we just reflect and Lord in the name of Jesus Holy Spirit we pray and we ask for your presence we, I, I know I felt your presence here today but we ask for your presence at this moment as we consider these truths today do we still have kind of gratitude that we have that we had for Jesus when he first we first experienced his love and forgiveness do we still thank him for his grace and his provision his blessing in our lives <clears throat> and can I say ask this question <coughs> excuse me metaphorically do you still wet your feet or his feet with your tears do you still wash his feet with your hair do you still smother him with kisses do you still take your alabaster box and break it over him Israel, of who you are, how you are the God who brought them up out of Egypt. You redeemed them. And they enacted that and they passed that on, that truth, over and over and over to keep them so they understood that God was their redeemer. This morning, as we gather around the Lord's table, as we reflect on what Jesus has done with us, done for us. Do we still, do we still honor him? Do we still worship him? Do we still give the very best of our lives to him? Do we still have a heart of thankfulness and gratitude? 
Lord, I pray this morning that as we as we continue to worship you and as we continue to partake of communion, Father, I pray that something supernatural would happen in each and every one of us today, that we would just have a, a renewed glimpse of your love, your grace, your forgiveness, the costliness of the blood, that we could become children of God, that we could be adopted into his family, that we could have a brand new identity, that when Jesus looks at every one of us, like the woman, he doesn't see our past, he doesn't see our failures, our brokenness, he doesn't see the offenses that we have made against God, but instead he sees a new creation in Christ Jesus, that all things are becoming new. kids this morning. Do we love our Father the way He deserves? When was the last time we really thanked Him for everything He's done? I remember and I, I remember Christiane telling me this. She said Elizabeth came up to her one day. My daughter Elizabeth here. And uh, it touched my heart when she said to her, her mom, you know, I really love Daddy, you know. But I don't think I tell him enough. I just say that as a father, every time my sons or my daughter come up to me and they hug me and they kiss me and they say, I love you, Dad. It makes all the diapers and all the fits and all the other things that most parents have to deal with children. It makes it all worth it. If it warms, I know there's some fathers here this morning who say the same thing. Can I just, can I just suggest how does it feel? How does it feel in God's heart when we come over to Him and we embrace Him and we say, Father, I love you. I love you because I know you love me and I didn't deserve it. You love me in spite of my sin and my failures, and you chose in your love for me and your mercy to forgive me and cleanse me and make my heart new and give me a brand new life and hope and a future and an eternity that will never end, that I'll be in your presence forever. And won't it be awesome, friends, that one day when this world passes away, everything is new, that we'll be able to see him face to face, that we'll be able to embrace our Savior and we'll be able to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your love. Thank you for rescuing me and redeeming me. And that I can be in your presence forever. And I call upon our ushers this morning to uh, distribute the emblems of communion. Can we just give our Father the love and the gratitude He deserves?
Paul writing to the Corinthians, he says, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, I've received of the Lord that which I delivered to you. If we could stand this morning together, praise God. I received of the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, given thanks. He broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body. It's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Father God, we thank you today. We remember. We remember. We remember the cross. We remember we remember the stripes. We remember the beating, the crown of thorns. We remember the rods that were used to beat you and break your bones, bruise you. And your body was broken for us. That we would not have to have that punishment. But you took it for ours. You took it for us. You stood in our stead. You took our place. And so, Father, today, we thank you for sending your only begotten Son because you so loved the world, you loved us so much, you sent Jesus. And we thank you for his body, broken for us. And, Lord, we bless this portion of our communion today and bless it, us, your children, as we receive this. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat together. Caleb back from Bible College on the drums. Good job, brother. Going to ask you to pray in just a few moments. Just going to ask you to pray over that. I'll bring the mic. In the same manner, he took the cup after he had supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I'm just going to bring the microphone right up. He's a Bible college. He's practically a preacher now, so. God, thanks for your blood and uh, shedding it on our behalf. Thank you that it covers everything, and it already covered everything um, that we had in ourselves. And thank you that we died on the cross with you, God. Thank you. Together. Thank you, Jesus. As often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Before we leave this morning, I know it's some of you might be thinking about your turkey, but could we just just for a few moments, just lift our hands and just give thanks to God. Just thank Him. Just praise Him. Just praise Him. And just begin to, just begin to, to, to express 
uh, whatever it is that you're thankful for. Lord, we thank you for good health. We thank you for strength. Uh, we thank you for food on our table. Lord, we thank you for shoes and clothes, gas in our vehicle, vehicles that work decently. We thank you, Lord, for dirty dishes because it means that we had something to eat. Thank you, Lord, for laundry. Amen? Laundry, dirty laundry, Lord. Thank you for dirty laundry. Dirty underwear to wear. Because we have clothes to wear. So many people in the world don't. Most of all, Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Jesus and we thank you for his love. We thank you for his mercy, his grace that he's lavished upon us. And that, Father, I pray this morning that we will go forth as your children, people of gratitude and thankfulness and celebration and praise and worship on our lips. And that we will worship you. We will devote ourselves as much as you've devoted yourself to us. That we will love you with the same measure. We will give our all to you. Nothing withheld. Because, Lord, we are a people who have an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness. That's the kind of people that we are. And I pray, Lord, that as we live that out, that, God, others will see our joy, our peace, our kindness. We'll see that the goodness of God has changed us and who we are becoming. So, Father, today, bless everyone that has been here. And I just pray that, Lord, you just continue to work in their lives, continue to strengthen, continue to build up, continue to encourage. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Now, before you leave, make sure you hug someone's neck. And uh, I think we might even permit, I don't know, the Bible talks about a holy kiss, but, you know, be, use your discretion. But give somebody a hug. Give somebody a, a Tell them you love them. Amen. Amen.